TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of ageing well. Marcus Pierce here with you for the 472nd time. And as always, I couldn't be here without Australia's number one wellness expert. He is the king of all dads. He is the best dad in the world. He is Dr. Damien Christoph. How are you, brother? Oh, Piercey. If I could only be king for one day, but that would dethrone you. Uh, PC, you're an unbelievable dad, and you're a dad to so many children. I can't even count them anymore. But, oh, it's uh, like PC, a who's so who in the zoo here. It's yeah, no one knows anyone. They just go each other by oh, just. Oh, you my bases. dad? Yeah, yeah it's, dad. it's pretty much like that. But today, eggs and we, greens today. Eggs and greens today. Today we have one of the greatest mums on the planet to join us. I am actually having the great privilege. I'm going to tell you this story in a moment, Damo. That. Pretty much the reason why I am married to my beautiful wife, Sarah, today is joining us on the podcast. Many people around the world know Alison Young as an incredible chiropractor. She's a mother of two. She's a wonderful wife to Pete, who Ali calls Pedro. And now (laughs) Alison Young is the very proud author of Work Mama Life, and she joins us on 100 Not Out. Ali, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pretty excited to be here with you. Very, very special Papa Bears. I've known you both for so long. It's really like forever. It's forever. It is forever. And because the last time, not the last time, I've seen you lots, but I recall going to university with you, Ellie, and then looking up at you and going, geez, I wish wish one day I'm as good as what she is. Like, and so, and always, you've always been a rock star and you've always done such amazing things. But I can't believe there's like 20 years ago, it's 20 years ago this year that I was at RMIT. And yeah. uh, so, and, and then I left and went to New Zealand. But, you know, just watching your career and how it's blossomed and you just, you just continue to do just amazing things. I was actually blown away of where you're living now. I didn't realize that you'd left the West and gone East. So I was a bit shocked by that. So I thought I'd kept tabs on you, but I'd fallen off the wayside there. But Ellie. Oh, yeah, Asia. Don't forget the Southeast. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. The right. Yeah, that's right. Incredible. Yeah. You go everywhere. You are global. Ellie, it is incredible. And congratulations on your book. What a great thing. Yeah, thank you. I, it's been a great year of writing it and it's been a really interesting endeavour because it came off the back of self-experience, which triggered the writing of the book. And um, so it's, you know, it's a combo of my Cairo brain work and nutrition stuff, which probably you were one of the first people that actually taught me things like that demo and then life and it's all come together. It's been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, it's uh, now out. We're going to talk about it over the course of this podcast, but really because parenting is such a, a massive part of everyone's life, even if you don't have children, because uh, if you're alive, you've got parents. Um, and I'm not going to come out and say that parenting is harder than it's ever been. I think parenting could, you could almost argue a point that it's easier than it's ever been, um, given what a lot of people went through years and years and years ago. Uh, but Ali, I've known you for a couple of years uh, less than Damo. I think I met you in 2004 when I was over in the West um, and I knew you uh, and Damo and I both knew you pre-parent. 
Um, I think uh, I rode the ups and downs of your love life for many years, hoping that you would find Mr. Right, and you're always in our hearts and souls going, oh, we just wish Ali would just, you know, find a great man and settle down, and you did. You've got a wonderful husband, Pete, but as Damo just mentioned, you've travelled the world uh, and you've had children. Um, I don't Actually, yeah, your children have been born in different parts of the world and you've been very, no, all in Australia, but they're they both in Gladstone. No, one in Perth, one in Gladstone. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, like literally, you've had kids on both sides of the country, so yeah. you've juggled. Uh, you've juggled a fair chunk of um, just challenges in life. So I think when you said that, you know, you were almost triggered into writing the book, I would love to know kind of what they were because I'm sure everyone listening today, again, whether they're a parent or whether they're a child of parents, are going to be able to relate to these triggers. So take us into the dark night of the soul that took us into um, the, you know, the catalyst for writing a book. I think like a lot of working mums, the dark night of the soul was a trickle of darkness that came and went and came and went and came and went over many years. And it started when we moved. I had a beautiful, busy practice in Perth and we got married and decided to move to Malaysia. So I sold my practice, got pregnant, wedding night conception, well done us. And then... Um, moved to Malaysia when I was 20 weeks pregnant and didn't know anybody. I was moving to a place where my husband knew some people that he was working with, but we knew no one. So I had to navigate that by myself, then flew back to Perth when I was 35 weeks pregnant um, on the last day I could legally fly internationally and then had to hold this fear of don't birth till your husband gets home for three, four weeks. He didn't get home till 39 and a half weeks. Had the most traumatic birth. And then it, when she was two weeks old, went back to Malaysia. And so I got thrust into mum world with support that was phone a friend support, but not support that was like on the ground. And so that was at, at the time I was like, I've totally got this, you know, I'm all over this shit. This is fine. And then it definitely retrospectively was the beginning of that journey of understanding mum guilt and feeling like you, should know all the answers and when you don't know all the answers that failure feeling so then we moved back to australia opened a little practice got pregnant again um had a birth here my beautiful healing second birth was amazing and then um eight nine months later went oh let's all go to south korea because that's a really great place to move to <laughs> so we packed our little family up again and we went and so in that little in between time i'd navigated toddlerhood a husband working international FIFO and then we he moved home we had another baby and then I opened the doors of a proper building practice when he was 16 weeks old and that was just like a bit of a roller coaster as you can imagine I was like pumping in my lunch breaks so that I could breast you know give him his milk later on and all that kind of stuff and then um we moved and I couldn't work again because you can't be a chiropractor unless you're a medical doctor in South Korea so then I got thrown into stay-at-home mum life and it was like what's this didn't know how to take that because I'd never experienced that before but also got this beautiful tribe of like-minded women parents mums who were the same and so this is where the concept of like having that connected village of people around you became so important. And then we stayed there for a few years and everyone kept having babies. It was, it was a beautiful time and not me, two was enough. And then we moved back to Australia up here in Gladstone again. And so then it was, well, 
jobs on. Let's get this practice humming. So it was straight into heavy practice life and getting that happening. And after a couple of years with that and the stress of my husband works massive hours and the kids and everything, I fully hit burnout. Like I had a very small uh, you know, with those kid cuddles where they jump into you and um, George, my son, head butted me underneath my jaw and it gave me immediate face tingles. And I was like, ah, I've just got a bit of occipital neuralgia. That's fine. And, um, and I got adjusted and it made no difference. And um, so then it was like, oh, what else is it? And then I started gaining weight for no reason. And I gained 10 kilos in three months. And um, I was convinced and the tingling got worse and I got rashes everywhere. And anyway, and so my body was screaming at me and I was convinced I had pituitary tumours or weird multiple sclerosis and all this kind of stuff. And in the end, it was just burnout. Like my cortisol was full flatlined pretty much. And um, yeah, so the long road of recovery began, which was um, interesting. And in that time, I met some glorious women who are um, like online business people. And one of them hooked me up with a publisher once she realized that my story was helping mums to reclaim their health the way I'd done. And that's how the book was birthed. Wow. That yeah. sounds more painful than birth itself. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just intense, Ellie. I was like sitting there thinking if I had hair to lose, I'd be losing hair with that story. That's unbelievable, Ellie. Um, I feel your pain, uh, but one of the greatest things that comes out of that, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, is the ability to share the stories and the lessons learned. And the way in which you put this book together is a really great, um, I suppose, tribute to life and it's a great exploration and, I suppose, interpretation of your lessons, which I really love. Um, and I love that you know, I was on the golf course this morning, as I often am, aren't I, Marcus? I'm on the golf course on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> And um, he lives the there now, Ellie. We can't find him no. on a golf well, you course. Can't. You just find me at the golf course. <laughs> so I was there, and one of the guys said, You know, there's no instruction manual to this parenting thing. I wish there was. And I'm like, You know what? We need more books and more things that actually help people that are usable um, and based on other people's experiences. So, you know, quite often you hear of people becoming a chiropractor or people becoming a naturopath because they had an experience. But to write it out and to get it into a book form to help people in their five phases of their life uh, is a really great thing. So why don't we break down each of those phases, each of those um, those elements um, that you talk about in the book, and you know why don't we kick it off with um, you know with work? I think that's where we're going to start it off with, Marcus. Is that right? Yeah. So yep. the working part is in the book. So the book's in three sections, the work section, the mama section and the life section. And the work section's all about working mumland mm. and the society-driven changes of expectation mm. and the intensive mothering paradigm that we have to do everything right the first time with our kids and that making a mistake is a very bad thing and you're a very bad mum if you screw up one time. Do you ever laugh at yourself at all the things you did with your first child that you couldn't be bothered doing with your second and then in our world the things we just completely let go of with our third and our fourth, as long as he's breathing, he's all right. He's all right. Yes. <laughs> Has anybody yes, got Spencer? I think I still have the spreadsheet of how much juice came out of Sarah's right nipple and then how much came out of the left nipple and 40 mils out of the right and 45 on the left and just like you, Ali, in between shifts so that she 
could yeah. get back to work to see clients. It's like that that first child, that that's high, high octane stuff. <laughs> it's very high octane stuff. It's like next level. And add that into where you can overthink everything because you're in a foreign country and there's really not much to do. You don't have a car. You're not allowed to leave the compound to walk because you'll probably get like put in kidnapped. You know, it's uh, very, very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> So, yeah, you were talking about all those different dynamics that, that mums particularly have to go through today, particularly if they are returning to work. So do you want to share just a bit more on that, on, on that navigation process, particularly that coming out of particular, you know, post-birth yeah. into, the, into the work life? And I think you have to really look at, and I talk about this in the book quite a lot, the values of what's most important to you and is your old work, which may have been dictated by really masculine set hours, you know, we work these very specific hours, is that going to fit in with your lifestyle of how you want to make it work? So you can go back to your full-time role, you can go part-time, you can run businesses like I do um, and set your own hours and it's, it's hard to find a balance and I think it's sort of trying to figure out, well, this is really important to me and as a human I feel valued internally if I can tick a box where I'm doing this kind of work and that taking me away from my child doesn't make me a bad mum because I want to choose work but I want to do work that's fulfilling because that's going to fill my cup up as well. Oh, can I ask a really awkward question on this? Because this is yes. something that I like to just pin people down on in dinner party conversations. There seems to be a, a difficulty in a lot of, um, not even marriages, just relationships where there's a child involved and then, and then in the case of this example, the mum's going back to work. And a lot of it centres around money and mm-hmm. it doesn't really centre around fulfilment and enjoyment. So I've, I've got friends that just work at the fish and chip shop because they just like the adult time. It's not about the work they're doing. It's actually just the calmness that they get from being in an adult environment. But then I've got, yeah. other, I've got the other friends that work completely unfulfilling jobs and it, it, it gives them the heebie-jeebies that they do this and they're doing it for the paycheck so that they can pay off a mortgage. Uh, but yeah. it's not bringing them any joy and it, the only joy it's bringing them is the relief that they don't have the bank knocking on their door. So can you talk to people? And again, this isn't just a mum thing. This is almost no. a wife thing. But just, yeah. you know, the role, the role of that, particularly in a relationship where you do have to have these conversations with a significant other, to work through it and where it doesn't always necessarily feel like it's a team decision. Yeah, and I think that the key part of what you said there is the conversation around it. So if you know, if you have an opportunity to choose something that brings you joy and maybe pays less and your partner and you as a family unit can make that happen, then I would 100% all of the time choose that because a massive recipe for burnout is going to work and hating what you do. Um, because it's going to lead to a stress pathway in your brain that you're going to get stuck in all the time so that regardless then of whatever joy you try to find in your work environment, you're going to be there. But it is, I think, one of the hardest things. We, we know in research now that mums these days, even though they predominantly work, spend something like 50% more time with their kids than the mums of the 60s and 70s because the mums of the 60s and 70s would go outside and play, whereas we're stuck in this really, like, intensive be with your children all the time phase. And um, and so I think we need to look at, you know, where is our quality time, where is our quantity time and what can we make work best that way too. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's, such it's, a tricky, it's a tricky juggling thing, you know, mm. really at the end of the day. But I know the guilt that you're, you talk about 
that you're feeling there, Ellie. And I know a lot of men feel that sort of guilt as well. And, you know, when we get to the pup a bit, we'll talk a bit about that because I think that's really important because men will be listening to this podcast too and thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah I felt that way. And yeah, yeah, I, you know, I felt burnout yeah. too. But what I also hear a lot of people do um, when they do get burned out is they don't reflect on their values. They don't reflect on what's most important to them. And they look to external substances feeling as if their health is going to come back to them when they provide something from the outside in. Yeah. Um, and, of course, that couldn't be the, the, the hardest route to health on the planet. Oh, like, yeah, I mean, it is. It's the hardest route. You, yeah. If you think that health comes from the outside in, then, you, you know, you're sort of mistaken. But how important do you think it is to get your values kind of sorted out and ordered so that you're clear with what it is that's most important to you? Um, how important do you think that is compared to, say, having a green smoothie um, sitting all by yourself at the coffee table, bawling your eyes out with some Kleenex. I think. <laughs> <laughs> what a vision. What a vision. I was going to yeah, say, gonna, I'm sure I've green smoothied with an unwritten journal and falls of tears running out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, values are, they're in the first section of the book for a reason because we need to be able to understand ourselves before we can choose to make a change for ourselves. So it's like you said, it's that inside out philosophy we need. And the biggest mantra of the whole motherhood job that I love is motherhood. It's an inside job because we have to start from the inside out. And that goes with the health elements as well, but we need to be able to know what's making us tick and what is going to make us have happy and find those joy points and have those receptors firing. And yeah, it's just so very, very important to understand that about yourself. So you, yeah, stop the green smoothies, have another coffee and go do your values. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. And you go through so much detail. I don't, I, I'll love to chat to you another time about the book editing process, but I love how much detail you've gone into here. You talk about the inner critic, you talk about the five societal expectations of mothers um, but let's now move into that mama phase and again for the men listening I'm sure there's a lot if we even just replace the word papa that we can um, definitely relate to here but you talk about the five pillars of healthy motherhood can you yeah. talk about can you share with the listeners um, uh, what what they are those five pillars so they get an insight as to um, what's included yeah absolutely so the five pillars are nourishment which is so important and in the book, I talk about all of the different disordered eating things I have done in my years, and you can tick the box, I've done all of them, um, and why they don't serve me now as a mum. And looking at why when we become a mum, our nourishment needs are drastically altered too, and so all of that kind of stuff. Um, we look at, oh, movement. I was like, hang on, what's my second pillar? Movement. <laughs> <laughs> and how we move our bodies as a mum and the seasons of life. Like I look at myself now and my physical self looks so incredibly different to how I looked on paper 20, when I was 25 years old. And you think when I was 25 years old, I didn't have all of the expectations of mothering and work and stuff. I literally played state touch football and went to work and that was my life. So, of course, my body was different. And then you go through pregnancies and birth and all those sorts of things and it changes. And I think being kind and gentle and getting completely rid of that get your baby body back BS that happens is very, very important. And the way we can support our movement when we're dependent on different seasons is really important too. 
And then I look at thinking and calm and how our brains cannot exist in rush mode all the time. Um, and we are designed to heal when we're in a calm mode and we look at different ways that you can get that calm. And it's not that I expect everyone to spend, you know, an hour every day meditating. I don't think since I had children, I've spent an hour meditating ever, but what we do. Oh, thank God. Someone said that. It's <laughs> such oh, a I joke. Know, right? it's, yeah. No one lives a long time meditating. Surely. Yeah. Yeah. Find, we yeah. should try and find a hundred year old meditator. Who's been meditating since they were like 25. Mm. Yeah. We still can't yeah. find a 100 year old vegan who's been vegan since birth. No. So oh. we, yeah. That might meditation that might be another one. Vegan bottle milk. What is it? Formula. <laughs> vegan stuff. Because <laughs> babies weren't meant to eat human milk. Bloody, bloody. Don't get me started. <laughs> vegan vegan formula. What the heck? You've been feeding. Oh my gosh. Damo's book's going to be called Don't Get Me Started. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited be, for it. If the um, hell, don't get me started. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So, five minutes here and there. A two rounds of box breathing. Like there are so many simple yeah. things that you can do that change your internal state and it gets back to that inside self, not the outside self. Yeah. And um, and learning how to recognise when your outside self is starting to show those signs of stress and mm. how to quickly shift that. And that's that's been, I think, one of my, my biggest game changes is the calmness by recognising my values and what matters and prioritising what I do, including putting calm back in has made such a difference to my parenting and my connection with my kids. And I think that's what I really hope for people is that they can have that chance as well. Yeah. Um, and then sleep, because as mums, we go through newborn phase and our sleep goes out the toilet and we're designed that way. Like our gray matter changes when we're pregnant so that we become more receptive to our kids. That's, we know that. Um, but how can we, then navigate our way back into better sleep quality when our kids are sleeping better. Because often then we end up staying in that easy wakefulness, going to bed late to stay up late to have our me time and all this kind of stuff, which is good in short bursts. Like, yeah, I stayed up and watched Bridget in the other night. Hands up. That was great. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that every night. I'm going to do that like once a You pay a for it the next day like a big Saturday night out. <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, my God. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, navigating that. And then the last one is connection and that need for humans to connect with each other. And when we're mums, we should be raising our kids in a village. And if the last two years has taught us anything, it's that we need we need our village neurologically, we need it physically, we need it socially, emotionally, and why that matters. And if you can't find a village, well, how the hell can you go find a village, you know, so that kind of stuff as well. Mm, I love all of that, Ellie. I really do. And every single thing that you brought up there sings to the, the, you know, the whole, I suppose the mantra, the things that Marcus and I have discovered around living a long time, you know, it seems to be, if you want to live a long time, become a healthy mama, uh, which uh, would be the way to go. Uh, The village piece is so important. I, I met a young boy a couple of years ago, literally the day before we went into lockdown and he'd just been born. He had massive torticollis and his parents are going to go get his neck cut. Um, and I adjusted him and I never saw him again. And so I was like, oh my gosh, hopefully everything's all right. Um, he came in a couple of weeks ago and he, it was the first outing that he'd had. Um, his parents are uh, of a nationality that felt that they needed to keep him locked up because they didn't want him to, um, 
And when I say nationality, uh, I'm not being disrespectful there. That definitely is a cultural thing that they felt that um, the rest of the people in their culture were also locking their children up and not getting them outside to be exposed. And so this little boy, two years old now, has never seen another human, like literally only parents. And the parents have done this all by themselves. So that's intense. And so I I feel for people in that space because people listening to this podcast will know someone else who, hasn't got that community, hasn't mm. got that village, and it is so important. The other thing that I really love there was taking moments to um, reflect, you know, that a couple of minutes of circular or square breathing or, you know, taking a couple of minutes to meditate rather than being tough on yourself. I used to, uh, t- you know, joke and quip about it stresses me out to think about meditation, you know, and so and and for so many it stresses people, stresses me out to think about meditation. hundred <laughs> percent, you know, and so all of what you're talking about just sounds so good and so real and so natural. And you know, sometimes you pick up a book and it's instructional. Not, I'll show you this other book that I've got. It's in my top drawer. I'll show you this other book that I've got that also it does this every time, Ali. Don't listen to him. Don't it's listen to One of the greatest him. books ever. Written. Every episode, he um, just does this. <laughs> so, it's a running yeah, gag now. Yeah, Marcus Pierce <laughs> is the author. Incredible. Um, uh, dear. It's all about establishing an exceptional life. And if you haven't bought it yet, you should go and buy it. <laughs> this, is not, this, is about, this is about work, mama, life. Back on track, brother. But let me just say, let say, me just one say. of my girlfriends in my business group just randomly said, I've got this great book. Your book reminds me of it. It's by this guy called Marcus Pierce. It's wow. your exceptional life. And I'm like, like oh, no. <laughs> See? Yeah. See, one of the greats is one of the great books. It's uh, like Tommy Hafey, one of the great I'm getting self-conscious. I'm blushing. Carry on. Where are you going, Damo? I will. So where I was going with that, Ali, is that what you write about with regards to keeping mamas healthy or getting mamas healthy is very much in line with the philosophies that we espouse to with mm. Not Out. And I love that. And I know it's a little bit biased, but the other thing that I love is it's not instructional. It kind of leads people to make a decision, uh, which yeah. I think is really important. And I think you know, that's kind of got that. that nice leading philosophy to it, which I think makes things um, easier in life. So well, I'm not that's good. Any, I'm not anyone else's, like, I can't tell someone else what to do. They need to choose for themselves. And I, yeah. I take that effort in my practice with my patients. I can give you all the information, but that's the choice that you need to make for yourself if this fits and if that fits and what you want to do. And when I was writing the book, I really wanted to just give people choices because having a choice is empowering and there are so many elements in motherhood where we are told to look outside of ourselves for expert advice that actually learning how to listen back in again is a really hard thing for a lot of mums like you have this baby and if it's traumatic and they're not feeding then you're asking all these experts and it's a very rare moment where someone will say what do you think what do you mm-hmm. think you need to do here and that empowering ability to trust that mother instinct and to learn how to nurture that, I think is one of the key things that I really wanted mums to get out of the book rather than someone saying, if you do this, you'll lose 20 kilos and look amazing. I don't give a shit about that. I just want people to, you know, tap back in. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Do you think that um, in writing the book has changed your philosophy a little bit too, or do you feel like you refined your philosophy, um, which you, know, you refined it to the point that because when you come out of school and go into practice and you start your own practice, you've got all these kind of not algorithms or maybe even an algorithm, you know, somebody presents with this and so this is what's going to happen and they're going to eat this way and they're going to get this many adjustments and all that sort of stuff. Do you feel yeah. like 
you became a bit more motherly just in your life as a result of becoming a mama and then working out how to be a healthy mama. And do you think that's changed your philosophy? Yeah, I think writing the book has defined the things that are most important. And so there's so many parts of my life that I love, but it's given me a gentleness because my natural demeanour is a bull in a china shop. And no, so- no, no way. <laughs> Not Ellie, not Ellie. <laughs> not. Um, and so motherhood didn't shift that, but getting burnout in motherhood shifted that. And so I now can, yeah, it's definitely changed the philosophy of how I want my life to run. Yeah. Yeah, uh, wise words. So we've done work, we've done mama, and I think it's a great time to talk about life because you just spoke about having to surrender, particularly when yes. life gets tough. Um, so, you know, we were speaking about this before we hit record about, you know, there are a lot of people right now, and let's not get into the nitty gritties of it, but they would say that their life is a mess and mm-hmm. it, it becomes so overwhelming that people don't know where to start. So, again, in the process of writing this book, but in the process of thinking about um, this kind of topic what do you suggest for people they've had a rough two years a rough five years of whatever it is that don't know where to start what's your insight on that one i think that you want to find the thing that gives least resistance out of the five pillars so what within those five pillars do you go you know what that that one thing that sounds like something i could start doing today or tomorrow and integrate that first and only integrate that don't try and do one thing every day just do that one thing well for a week or for two weeks or something like that. And that can be enough. For me, it was learning to breathe again. Like I integrated uh, a sleep patterning where I get a shark tea mat, you know, those acupressure mats that were really cool a few years ago. I still love mine. Yeah, they're cool. I put it on my, oh yeah, they're so good. And I put it on my mattress and I lie on it every night and I breathe and I have an eye pillow and it's just, this slow breath. It's like meditation. It's five to what, however, till I wake up again minutes and that stillness and bringing that in every single night made a really big difference for my life. And then from there, cause I took back control of one element. I was like, okay, what's that next thing that I can do? Mm. And it wasn't going to the gym and lifting heavy weights or anything like that. It was slow movement because when your adrenals aren't functioning well and your body's blown up with inflammation, you can't go and then add the inflammation in with heavy, heavy workouts. You need to be gentle and kind and move and wake your brain up with those, you know, cross body movements and rotations and stuff that are going to help it take that deep breath. So it's, it's a slow thing. So if you're feeling like you're in that mess, just, choose one thing out of it. And I highly recommend the breathing as a good start to slow and calm and get your parasympathetic switching back on and be like, oh, okay, I feel safe now. Now I'm in a place of safety. What can I choose next? Yeah, that's so good. It has actually been scientifically proven that breathing keeps you alive, Ellie. So it's oh, a good win. thing to start with. Uh, you know, <laughs> learn to breathe uh, again. I think I need thing. to see the evidence on that before yeah, I believe it. Sorry. Might not be true. Might not be true. Could just be a myth or a rumour. But Ali, um, when you say, you know, find what is, uh, what gels with you, what, you know, feels right for you, that could change on a day-to-day basis. You know, it feels right to go for a walk today. It feels right to meditate today. It feels right to eat a green smoothie today. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you're going to do, um, do you think that it's that changeable or do you think that people should go, okay, for this next couple of weeks, I want to work on learning how to breathe? 
for this next I, couple of weeks, I want to get yeah. walking. You know, is it more of a persistent, consistent approach to this feeling that, you know, you know what it is you want to work on or is it just yeah. ad hoc? I think that once you've mastered a few elements, the ad hoc probably is good because asking your body what it needs that day is great, but there needs to be a level of mastery before you go there. Sure. So that's where I think, yeah, that like you said, that consistency for the next two, three weeks, I am going to breathe every night. I am going to stand at my kitchen sink and visualize my square breathing patterning or whatever it is that they want to do and add that into the daily routine because the mastery is what gives you the feedback of you've got this, which is what we really need. And then you can go and choose the next thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Good yeah. advice. Sage. 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 She is a sage. She's sagacious. She's yeah. a sage. Sagacious. She's. Ooh. Words. You yeah. like that? It's just it's just an adjective using the word sage. It's not that complicated. That? No, Jesus. it's been around no. for many years. The sages made that up when they wanted to describe themselves. I am sagacious. Uh, Ali Young, you are one of the most sagacious people we have ever met. Yeah. And the book is Work Mama Life. It is available at all good bookstores. Go online to wherever you like to get your books and uh, they will be out in all of the great bookstores around the country sooner rather than later. But go online for now. Get your copy of Work Mama Life. Get it in time for Mother's Day. What a cracking Mother's Day gift. Uh, I haven't told my beautiful Sarah that she's in the acknowledgements. Sarah Bear got a gig oh, wow. in the acknowledgements. She doesn't know that yet. Wow. Um, so well, we, buy it just for that. When this podcast, she'll know, I'll won't she? Highlight yeah. it. I'll highlight it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please do. This is you. <laughs> Have you acknowledged my quote in there? Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> If it's got a shelf life, it's not for your life, Damo. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. I'm, sure I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to do a search on my PDF and check it out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. We're very grateful for your contribution to humanity. I pretty much wouldn't have a marriage without you, Ali Young, and we all met through the world of chiropractic. So, Damo, Ali, Sebe, myself, it's all uh, through the wonderful world of chiropractic. But, Ali, congratulations on the book. Thanks again for your support. I know you've been a massive supporter of one. 100 not out over the years and we thank you for your friendship for your love for your generosity of wisdom and insight and all the very best with the book and as we like to wish every one of our guests ali young may the rest of your life continue to be the best of your life oh thank you for having me i feel very honored to be on 100 not out it's uh an amazing podcast you guys do such a great job in the world and my rest of my life is definitely going to be the best of my life. Don't you wait for it. Woo! There you go. That is the bull in the china shop. That is Ali Young. Make right. sure you go and follow her on the socials, get the book, and uh, you won't look back. Damo, thanks for your wisdom Thank you, and time, as always, on 100 Not Out. For more on Damo, head on over to damienchristoph.com. No E, no double F. It's D-A-M-I-A-N. One F on the end. I'm marcuspierce.com.au. Not a pair. Pierced ear, P-E-A-R-C-E. Or not a pierced ear, a pair. Just work it out for yourselves, folks. Until next time, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.